Nation, my dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Hilo here. We're going to be bringing you a little something different this time. We're going to cover the extremes from a betting perspective uh, early in the week. And we're going to be recording these pretty much every week on Tuesday. And this is going to come out um, after my early week pricing or line inefficiencies. Um, I guess line, not pricing. Just so used to DFS at this point. But line, it's going to come out after the line inefficiencies little bit coming at it betting from a different angle but it's gonna uh we're gonna layer uh, a lot of what i talk about in that article that comes out on monday this should is uh this spot is recording on tuesday likely to be posted wednesday morning um and you guys should see uh a shout out from aaron letting you know uh every week when it's coming out but we're trying to keep the schedule a little bit more tidy this year, um, getting things out uh, so you guys can expect and know when new content is dropping. So again, we'll be covering the extremes from an over, under, and spread perspective um, and some inefficiencies in those lines at the extremes. For example, is a high game total not high enough? Is a low game total not low enough? Is a large spread not high enough? Is a you know, is a two and a half, three and a half point spread. Uh, is it more of a pickup? So that's kind of the idea of what we're going to be doing with this podcast. And every week, without further ado, I will be jamming with my good buddy, Pavel. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, we're killing it. We're doing great. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, as you probably heard, week one didn't go exactly as I had it drawn out, but that was uh, basically 100% user error on my end. So we're ready to rock. I had a good betting week, which basically made up for my DFS shortcomings. So that was good. Uh, so hopefully we can keep that moving along nicely. Nice. Yeah. During week one, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't make any money. I probably like lost like 25%, you know, typical GPP kind of game day. But uh, last night, I tied for second or 11th, I guess, in the showdown. So shout out to X with the article. I literally just read the article about an hour before, made some lineups and yeah, just just missed the first bank of the season. So really good stuff by by X and make sure you check out his stuff. Yeah, man, it's it's ridiculous. The the level of basically across the board coverage and content that we have in OWS this year, where you can literally an hour before just read uh, you know, a 1200 word article and go catch a second place real quick. So it's pretty, and you said that you, you did a 50 or 150, uh, MME. And then you basically the, the one that you almost banked was the 20 max. Yeah. So I did the 150, you know, I just optimized it, you know, built my lineups. And then I always did the $3 20 max by hand because it's just fun to like build fun lineups in those. And literally that's the one that won. It was with Thad Zay Jones' last touchdown of the game. So that was pretty uh, cool. <laughs> so what I'm off. saying is build your lineups by hand. <laughs> uh oh. Earmuffs for half the crowd. No, I'm just <laughs> All right, dude. So kind of how I want to structure this is we're going to just go back and forth, uh, kind of roundtable style. Um, we're each going to pick out three games that we think are set 
uh, inefficiently um, at the extremes. And we'll go, basically, you give your case, I'll throw my thoughts, and then we'll do the same uh, when I throw a game out. So you ready to hit it? Let's hit it. You want to go first? Uh, I'm going to defer. I won the toss, Steve. All right. Uh, all right. Let's start with one really, really extreme. And that's going to be the Texans of the Browns. And I'm seeing Browns minus 12 is the general, the, you know, half point either way I've seen, but I'm seeing majority of Browns minus 12. And I see the Browns destroying the Texans this week. I mean, the Texans looked good last week. Totally agree. But that was against the Jaguars. Urban Myers, clearly, you can tell that guy's a mess of a coach over his head. And I mean, the Browns are a top five offense, top five, not sorry. I meant to say top five team. They have a top five defense. Their offense is just going to run and run and they're going to, you know, play, play action, get open passes. Texans have traded away pretty much all their talent on defense. You know, they were going against a rookie quarterback last week in his first game. So I'm kind of not going to overreact to Texans week one. And I really think the Browns can just demolish the Texans this week. Yeah, dude. So I'm looking at the, uh, Basically, the betting metrics on Vegas Insider, and that game stood out to me too from a from an analytics standpoint. The line basically opened at Cleveland minus thirteen, so almost two full touchdowns. Eighty four percent of the bets made have been on Cleveland to cover, but the line has come down half a point. So, what does that tell me? That tells me that. The general public is betting on Cleveland to cover, but sharp money, the large money, is coming on Houston to cover, which is an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, and there's a little, there's a couple more games that have that a similar setup this week. As you know, when you look at the 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 metrics and the analytics of the actual money that is coming in, and this is definitely the the top one. With when you have 84% of the total bets coming in on the home favorite to cover but the line moves in the opposite direction that kind of raises a little red flags for me um, with respect to feeling comfortable about betting a, a two touchdown spread, you know, to cover. Um, so what, what, how, like, I guess with that knowledge now, like how are you feeling or what does that do for you? Yeah. I mean, definitely not always great to go against the sharp money, but I just see it from like a philosophical sense. Texans are trying to establish the run, right? That that's their offense, right? how are they going to really establish that against the Browns? And then once they start airing it out, I feel like Miles uh, Garrett's about to get some good penetration. It's going to be tough. I mean, I think it's going to be a really tough game for the Texans. So I'm, I'm actually going to stick to my gut here. And I really do think that the Browns are going to cover. Yeah. I mean, my, my heart wants to agree and bet on the Browns to cover um, my head with the, with those betting analytics through Vegas insider. Um, gets a gives me a little bit of pause on that. So um definitely something to keep in mind. Obviously we're just um going to break down the matchups and give you listeners the best idea. Uh but this is one that I would call a split decision between Pavel and I. Yeah. And I'm honestly, you know, you we don't really see these big, big spreads in NFL. This isn't like NBA where the big spreads are almost every night. So this is definitely something I want to track throughout the season and see how do these big favorites or big underdogs do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's even in other forms of football, the CFL, the XFL, NCAA, like you see larger spreads far more common um, than in the NFL. Historically, um, the historic 
way to handle that is to basically just blindly take the away dog to cover um, in the NFL where it's, you know, highly competitive and much more so than uh, those other three like leagues that I talked about. But again, this is such an interesting case. I'm glad you brought this one up. Oh, and one last thing too. I mean, this isn't quantifiable, but the Browns should have won this week. They, they blew it. So I think they're going to be pissed off. They're going to come out and try to get things done and prove that, you know, they're a top five team this year and a contender. Oh yeah, dude. I love a little revenge narrative. Dig it. All right. I'm going to throw you mine. I covered this game um, in that uh, betting line inefficiencies piece that came out uh, on Monday, but um, it's basically playing out exactly as I predicted, but I still think it is the line is uh, set incorrectly. And that is Thursday night football's game, (laughs) New York giants at Washington football team. The line, the over under the game total opened at 43 points and it has been bet down Tuesday morning. Even it opened at 41. Um, Obviously we had the update to Washington's quarterback um, who Basically, the the news came out uh, probably three or four hours after Washington's game um, that Ryan Fitzmagic uh, has a hip subluxation. I broke that down, what that injury means for him um, in depth. I wrote that uh, in the article that came out on Monday prior to him being placed on the IR. He has subsequently been placed on the IR. I gave him a two-month recovery window. Uh, Adam Schefter reported six to eight weeks. So right in line with kind of what I was thinking, um, I knew he was probably or 80, 90% chance uh, based on that injury um, that he was not going to be playing this week. So we're going to get a Heineke uh, game starting for Washington football team. But other than that, big things that I want to highlight, Washington has um, a defensive line that is expected to create a top three pressure rate in the backfield. We know how um, we know how the struggles basically of, um, Oh Jesus. What's his, what's the quarterback's name of giants, dude, <laughs> Daniel Jones. Thanks bro. I'm f- it's been a long couple of days, guys. <laughs> He's irrelevant uh, anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. We know his struggles against, uh, or basically with passing metrics under pressure, we can assume with the Giants uh, lack of basically revolving door offensive line that Washington is going to be living in the backfield, creating pressure on Jones flip the script. We have a backup quarterback coming in for Washington football team to start the game. All that is stuff that is top level. I would say known by the public. Why I think this line is still too high. I would be, I'm, I'm on the under at 41 points. Even if we look at the red zone defense, um, for, for both of these teams, Washington and the Giants or, uh, and the giants from last year, they ranked second and third in the NFL in red zone touchdown rate allowed at 50% and 50.85%. So what we have is on one side, we have a quarterback who struggles under pressure. If they get to the red zone, now they're facing a top two red zone defense in Washington, again, with a quarterback under pressure. And on the other side, we have a backup quarterback against an offense or against a defense in the Giants that ranked third in the NFL in red zone touchdown rate allowed in 2020. And I expect that trend to continue. So 
Um, the underlying metrics kind of match the top level stuff for me. And if uh, it's going to be hard to reach basically a, even a 41 point game total, if both teams are forced to kick field goals. So that's kind of my reasoning there. What are you thinking about Thursday night football? I'm hundred percent with you. I mean, it's just going to be a slaughter. I feel like um, a lot of underneath passes. I think there's going to be just short passing. They're not going to have enough time to throw those deep passes. Barkley's still clearly limited, so they're not going to get, you know, be able to bleed the clock running the ball. It's just, it's going to be ugly. And Heineke, obviously, they're not going to want to have him just start airing the ball out with no practice time as the starter, too. So they're probably going to lean on the run. I can see Gibson and McKissick getting a lot more work this week. So, yeah, I yeah. think this is just going to be a slow, just brutal, crushing game. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a 17 13 type of game. Yep. I concur, man. And you talked about, you brought up a good point with uh, a lot of underneath work. Um, that's kind of what happens uh, naturally from a lot of pressure in the backfield. When we look at these two offenses in 2020, the giants ranked 29th in the NFL in drive success rate. So they're going to have to put in, put up sustained drives uh, against a defense that is going to be wrecking house in the backfield. Washington ranked 30th in the NFL in drive success rate. We were all hoping that obviously Antonio Gibson as the workhorse and bringing Fitzpatrick in would help remedy those struggles there. But now we're missing half of that puzzle as well. So I'd expect overall, again, a slow grinded out game like a, you know, 20 to 10 game would not surprise me. 17, 13, kind of along the same lines that you are talking about. Sweet, man. You want to give me your second one? Yeah. Um, so I've been going back and forth with a couple of these, but one I really think, and this is kind of out of the box thinking, is the Bills and Dolphins. The over-under is 47 and a half. I like the over here. Um, reason being, Bills last week, we saw what they looked like. You know, it didn't look too good against the Steelers, which was a really tough defense. Dolphins are, you know, are a good defense as well, but they're not, you know, up to the Steelers' par. Allen still threw the ball 51 times last week. They ran the ball maybe like 15 times and Allen ran four of them. I think it was. And, you know, so they're going to try to run up the score. They're just going to try to score and pass. Dolphins are getting Will Fuller back this week. That adds a huge element to their game. We already seen that, you know, they're trying to throw the deep passes. This, you know, this game could easily turn into one of those games where they're just going back and forth, just pitch and catch, pitch and catch, throwing the ball deep. So this one, I, I'm really going to attack for DFS purposes too, because you know I, I have a conviction here that this is going to be a passing game. Obviously, I think the Dolphins will try to come out running the ball, try to slow down the clock. But once you know the Bills get going, they you know they can really just run up the score. Yeah, so I agree with you on this one, and my reasoning along the same lines. Um, obviously, Miami is getting Will Fuller back. Um, they also have a bottom three, possibly the worst run blocking offensive line in the NFL. Yeah. We expect Buffalo to basically put up points against anybody. Obviously we saw in week one, uh, tough grinded out game against Pitt, but I think coming off of that loss that they are going to be fired up. They're going to get Josh Allen cooking. These teams also Buffalo, uh, showed us the, again, this is a one week sample, but Buffalo showed us the third fastest situational neutral pace of play in week one, Miami surprisingly, or not, it might be surprising to you, uh, showed us a fifth ranked situation, neutral pace of play in week one. So two fast teams with two stellar defenses 
However, we can expect both teams to be airing the ball out. But what does that mean? That means additional plays run from scrimmage. That means additional chances for splash plays, which means additional chances for points on the board. So I also like that over um, the line opened at 48.5. It's been bet down a full point to 47 and a half. And that is a situation for me where I'd be looking to capitalize on. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's just I didn't I did not know they were fifth because that just plays, you know, shows why how some coaches are really good coaches. And some aren't good coaches. It's like the easiest way to see it is are they playing to their player's strengths, right? This is the way Tua should be playing. He needs to play in a fast-paced offense, a lot of play action, throwing bombs, right? You have coaches like, you know, <clears throat> Gettleman that, you know, doesn't play to his team's strength. Then he's just going to, you know, walk right into what the defense has given him. But also, I, like, kind of like another situation I saw was against the Rams, Matt Nagy. Like, Jalen Ramsey was literally laughing at us because they were, we were just running routes right into his, his coverage. And it was just easy for him. So, yeah, you want to target these sharp coaches. And, yeah, Flores is a sharp coach. Yeah, for sure. And Dabble on the other side as well. Oh yeah, there. That's gonna be. I can't wait for this game. Honestly, if I wasn't busy, I I might drive down to Miami for the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that one as well. I dig it. Um, all right. What's next up else? for you? Yeah, no. you got anything else? All right, perfect. Um, the next one I want to jump into is Atlanta and Tampa Bay, and we're we kind of have two extremes here. The spread opened at ten and a half points, bet up to thirteen points. But what I'm focused on is the over-under. It opened at 52 points. It is currently stationary at 52 points. And Atlanta, basically coming off that embarrassing loss, I think they're going to you know spend this week focusing on the identity of the offense. Um, and what I saw out of this team in week one was honestly rather promising. And it came down to execution. Um, and that's something that is easier fix than a scheme or a coaching type deal. Um, obviously for the Falcons, their head coach, Arthur Smith comes over from Tennessee where they were a top three situation, neutral pace of play team in 2020. Um, and then obviously with Tampa Bay, they are a high pace team that likes to throw the football. So I am expecting probably each of these teams to be pushing 70 Offensive plays run from scrimmage, so 140-plus plays run from scrimmage in this game uh, expected. There's a chance for a lot of fireworks. So I like the over, even set at a lofty total of 52. I am 100% with you on the over 52. I mean, this is Tom Brady. He likes to run up the score. He's like, you know, this is like the Chiefs who figured it out where – you don't play to lose, you play to win. You, you just keep scoring, you keep scoring until the game's over. Um, I don't think the Fal- Falcons are going to look as pathetic as they did this week. I mean, Ridley had a terrible game. They weren't really... I don't know, I felt like the offense just looked terrible. It does not look... Like, Ryan looked kind of... Not sluggish, but like lethargic almost. I don't think that's going to be again this week. I, I think it's just a surefire over. Yeah, and I, I just like the amount of offensive plays that we're going to see from this game. So that obviously gives us the opportunity. It basically gives us uh, more outs, right? Uh, and, you know, speaking from poker sense, it, it gives us more outs uh, mm-hmm. on a bet on the over here. Definitely. And kind of like some thinking I take from NBA that I try to apply to NFL is like, you know, you have a guy or a team that had a really bad game one like last night. Most likely they're going to bounce back the next day. The Falcons look pathetic week one. I can see a big bounce back this week, especially against a division rival. Yep. Dig it. 
I got nothing else to add on that one, man. You want to run me with your third? Yeah, this is probably my most excited game of the week. Cowboys and Chargers. I think we are in for explosions, touchdowns. Everything is coming this week. Is over under is 55, highest total on the slate. I think this could, you know, literally be like a 42 to 40 game. We are just going to see a ton of plays getting thrown. The line for the Cowboys is terrible. So we already know they're going to be, you know, throwing a lot because Dak's going to be running for his life. And then, you know, the Chargers, I mean, they're going to just keep, they're going to have to keep pace. I, and these are two really, really good passing offenses. So I, uh, I definitely see an over on this one. Yeah. One thing I was kind of waiting to see out of the chargers is if they were going to carry over that pace of play that they ran under Anthony Lynn last season, uh, into this year. And so far judging by week one, again, small sample size alert. Uh, they are, they finished week one, top 10 in pace of play. Um, obviously Anthony Leland, uh, is in Detroit and that's going to lead a little sneak peek into what game we're going to talk about next. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, they've carried over their pace of play into 2021 Dallas, obviously we know is a high potent pass offense, uh, and they are still running a fast pace of play as well. So, um, in week one with the score within six points. So anytime, you know, at the start of the game or anytime the score was within six points, Dallas finished the week at the third fastest situ- or pace of play at 22.06 seconds. Uh, so you think about um, the play clock; uh, they're allowing a you know a full almost over 10 seconds uh, l- remaining on the play clock while they're calling their plays. So fast, fast team, fast pace of play. Expecting high pass rates. Uh, we know that Austin Eckler is not going to be that bruiser straight ahead runner. They would much prefer him on the field coming out of the backfield in the past game. So I too like that over that is uh, again, another game that I have circled to uh, try and get to watch this weekend as well. Did you, or did you not know? Actually, let me ask you a trivia question. How many targets did Austin Eckler have this week? Oh dude. I don't even remember. It was super low. would not it? He didn't have a single one. Oh, <laughs> that's not happening low. again. That's literally not happening again. Yeah. And I saw an article about it too. They were like, they asked about why didn't he get any targets? Underneath wasn't open, you know? So, you know, he's not going to force the ball. So that's why, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams got so many targets. Jared Cook got a bunch of targets as well in the red zone because that's what was open. And it's kind of good to hear that, that they're taking what the defense gives them and they're not trying to force it. That really makes me feel like, you know, this Herbert's really ahead of the, the pack and, you know, maturity as a quarterback. I think this is going to be. Every, I think they're going to be a top five offense, period. Yeah, they definitely have the pieces, too. I liked uh, bringing in Jared Cook to kind of take over that tight end role. Um, they shouldn't lose too much production from the tight end role, losing Hunter Henry to Jared Cook. He played a little bit more than I thought he would entering the season, uh, which is a, a good thing for this offense, where obviously they have um, valid and viable and a, like borderline elite uh, playmakers at every level, basically now. So um, who doesn't yeah. want a gigantic tight end who can catch tight touchdowns like that? He fits so perfect for this team in the red zone. Yeah. Concur. So I like that call as well. Uh, looking at the kind of analytics for that game, it opened at 50 and has been bet up <laughs> five full fucking points to 55. Uh, which is absolutely asinine. Um, 
the 99% of the bets that have come in have been on the over. Obviously, that's what happens to make a line move five points. Uh, but again, like we talked about, um, exploring the extremes here, that line is likely still not high enough. Yeah, because like, Vegas doesn't want to post a 60-point line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Cowboys' defense is so bad, too. So, like, the only way for them to win is just to score. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to dig into that game. So, I haven't uh, – I'll be writing that game up this week. Um, I'm interested, really interested to dig in to, to get a better sense of how Dallas is going to be looking to uh, slow down the Chargers here. Because if you look on that defense – subpar linebackers and then really in the secondary is where they are the weakest um they have basically one above i guess average to above average corner and then from top to bottom basically is not even below average it's just atrocious so um tight ends pass catching running backs are expected to have a lot of success against dallas i'm interested to see what they're going to do with Mike Williams playing the X. Um, if they're going to tailor that defense to play man with a cover three or even a, a cover two uh, zone for the rest of the defense, or if they're going to shadow or I, so that yeah. Mike Williams is actually the, the chess piece in this game that I think has the most um, effect to this over under and the, amount of fireworks that we're going to see here, uh, oh, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that before I started really tickling, you know, removing the covers a little bit uh, for this game. Yeah. I, I'll throw in a little tidbit here too. I know we're talking about betting, but a little DFS tidbit. Jared Cook is 3,700 against literally the worst linebacking core in NFL. So no pricing you bastard. Oh, I apologize. I'm just kidding. But yeah, I'm like, I can't even contain how excited I am to play Jared Cook this week. And hopefully I can post a lot of screenshots again this weekend. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey's <laughs> off the main slate. So uh, yeah. tight end is going to be an issue. So anyway, yeah. we digress. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just got real excited. I can't wait for Sunday. Um, so yeah, who is your final? My final game is the Monday night football game, Detroit visiting my Ooh. Packers. Oh my God. I don't even want to talk about the Packers right now, but I have, <laughs> I to. was there on Sunday. Say what? I was at the game. Yeah. Oh damn, dude. They, did they, were they as shitty as it looked on TV? Oh man. It was a Packers home game. You would have thought, but it was, I, I didn't dude, know that was we famous. travel well, dude. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. I'm over it. Kind of. I'm still a little sore. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about the over. The line is currently set at 48. It opened at 48.0. We currently have 91% of the bets that have come in on the over, but obviously not enough uh, money to move the line. What I really want to talk about is the polar opposites that we can expect from these two teams. Green Bay is a slow-paced offense, you know, bottom three and pace of play over the last two years. They showed that again in week one coming in at standby at fourth, uh, slowest pace of play 35.17. And the lions are the polar opposite. I 
alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the Chargers, but Anthony Lynn is coming from the Chargers as their head coach to now the offensive coordinator of the Lions. And this is a guy who basically is going to build his offense around the running backs and the tight end. What happened in week one, we saw exactly that. Both running backs went off. Um, Obviously, Hawk went off. The big thing that basically that I liked seeing out of Hawk was his routes run. He ran Mm -hmm. routes at a top three clip amongst tight ends uh, versus snap rate. So that was good to see. So when you start looking at the best way to attack this Green Bay defense, extremely talented in the secondary. Um, Obviously, the coverage lapses in week one be damned, uh, but they are extremely talented in the secondary. Um, One thing I did not like out of week one, uh, Kevin King still playing snaps. Like, why are, <laughs> why are we not getting Stokes on the field more? That's anyway. funny. I was thinking the same when I was watching. I, I don't know why he kept, <laughs> he kept him on the field. Yeah, he was man. just getting cooked. Oh, my God. We got Savage. We got Stokes waiting to come in. Obviously, Jair Alexander. Anyway, I digress again. But this, the, op, the polar oppositeness, I guess, for lack of a better term, again, I'm operating on lack of sleep here, but of these two, the identities of these two teams actually sets up extremely well for this game. We have Detroit who is coming in as a, an extremely fast paced offense who are there, what they're good at and how they're going to look to attack on offense lines up extremely well with the deficiencies of the green Bay defense, which is in the linebacker unit. And then the opposite green Bay, who is a highly efficient offense, Again, week one, be damned. You know, they finished 2020 as the most efficient offense in the NFL ahead of the Chiefs. We look at how they are going to attack. They're going to look to slow the play, the pace of the game down and be extremely efficient on offense. When they get to the red zone, Detroit has a bottom five red zone defense, um, allowing a touchdown. Oh, where'd it go? I'll find it later their red zone touchdown rate allowed in 2020. Um, Can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, I expect Green Bay to be putting up points. Green Bay is going to be afforded additional offensive plays with the pace that Detroit runs their offense at. And we should expect each team to be primarily attacking through the air, which again is that additional offense plays run from scrimmage. So this line being up at 48 points, the kind of like, prohibitary or I guess prohibitive um, game total is that 50 point range. When you start getting 49 and a half is typically where um, lines will, will start when they're expected to be high scoring. This one opened at 48. So approaching that number, but I think it is entirely too low here. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I can see this is one of the more interesting ones to think about because you can definitely see a scenario where it doesn't work. Let's, let's say the Packers throw a quick touchdown, right? Then Goff throws an interception because that's Goff. And then Packers get another touchdown. Then they got to start throwing the ball. It's like the only way I can see it not working. But if the Lions can set, establish the run early, get those, you know, short passes going and, you know, getting Swift out in space, I you know, this definitely can hit it over. And I, like you said, 
with Lynn, he brought over that philosophy and they're playing a faster pace. I did not expect this. I actually was thinking that, you know, the Lions were going to play a little slower, you know, more like smash mouth type football because it's the way Campbell has talked, right? But they've come out and they have a pretty, you know, electric offense to watch. And like you said, the fast pace can really make this, you know, really fun up and down, up and down the field game. Yeah, they ran 84 offensive plays from scrimmage in week oh, one. Wow. 84 plays. <laughs> like that is insane. The next closest team was the Raiders who obviously had the overtime uh, who ran 80 plays. So I am uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and they showed and, they could score too. You know, they were down big and they came, the, the final score looks like they only lost what, by like eight and the score looked way better than the game looked at first. Yep. So that'll do it again. We'll be, uh, Pavel and I will be getting together recording these on Tuesday evenings to be released on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to try and stick to the extremes and exploring, uh, any inefficiencies along those extremes. And I look forward to chatting with you. It's been too long, man, since our best ball stuff. Yeah, man. I'm already missing. I miss hot best ball summer. Uh, NBA <laughs> hot uh, chill best ball fall is here with NBA. Yeah. So we're hitting those, so it's uh, we're always busy. Underdog just released NBA and NHL, didn't they? Oh, I didn't see NHL. DraftKings dropped their NBA as well, so we've been dabbling here and there. There you go. All right, brother. Until next time, OWS <laughs> fam. Pleasure hanging out with you as always. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter or on Discord at any time. Both of our DMs are open. Always. Please, if you ever got questions, just reach out. I love talking fantasy. All right, man. Until next time. See you later, man. Bye. See you.